0: Hello and welcome to International Outlook, a regular podcast series from the New Zealand Initiative on International Affairs. I'm your host, Ben Craven, and today we're joined by our Executive Director, Dr Oliver Hartwich. Hi Oliver. Hi Ben. Oliver, the big news out of Europe at the moment is, of course, the result of the French election. Uh, we had Emmanuel Macron uh, defeat Marine Le Pen. It was about 58% uh, uh, to 41 Can you tell us a bit about the big issues behind the election? Uh, your recent Newsroom article described Marine Le Pen as Putin's candidate.
1: What on earth is going on? Well, it is the... Uh, first time that a French president got re-elected in 20 years. The last time it happened uh, was with Jacques Chirac. He also ran against the Le Pen, and that was Marine Le Pen's father, Jean-Marie Le Pen. And um, back then, uh, Jacques Chirac won a second term with an 82% majority, so the highest majority in French political history ever. Wow! But that was, of course, because Jean-Marie Le Pen was such an extremist candidate back then. Yeah. Um, ever since we haven't had any re elections of French presidents, it's quite remarkable actually. Five year terms, aren't they? Five year terms used to be longer, used to be seven year terms actually, but that was changed anyway. So it's happened now again 58% for Macron, 41 42% for Le Pen. Mm. Um, that's quite unusual in itself to have a re election. And then that leads us to the next point. It was quite an unusual campaign anyway because the traditional parties that Govern France for most of the post-war period are basically gone. I mean, Valerie Pécresse uh, from the Republicans um, didn't even manage five percent, so she will not get a refund for her election campaign even. And that was the party, of course, of Nicolas Sarkozy previously.
0: Is it the um, the rise of Le Pen and her uh, party? The what, what's it called now? It's no, no longer National.
1: Right, it used so to be the National Front.
0: That's right. Moderating the image, I guess. Yes. Um, so is, is it a case of her um, success in France or her party's success in France that
1: has led to the erosion of these major parties? Well, I think there have been um, severe problems for the French political system and for the French economy for decades, really. And they've never been tackled because um, whenever you try to reform France, you have thousands of people in the street. Mm. It is a problem. It's a structural problem for France. But actually, when we're looking at the election now, what we see is the rise of a radical politician, a wolf in sheep's clothing, Mm. if you like. Because um, she comes from this extremely radical background, a far-right party. Her father, I think, you could probably call him a Nazi. Um, And actually, you could legally in France call her a fascist. So a French court actually had to decide on that a few years ago. And you can legally call Marine Le Pen a fascist, even in France. She has nevertheless managed to um, soften her image a bit. So she's now seen as someone who cares, someone who really talks to ordinary people and doesn't talk about the radical stuff anymore, about pulling France out of the European Union, out of the Eurozone, things like that. And yet, if you really dig a little bit deeper, just look behind the surface, mm. well, she is still as radical as she used to be. Um, so just a few examples from last week's, she promised to pull France out of the command structure of NATO. Yeah, She didn't say she wanted to pull France out of the EU anymore, but she said that uh, French national law should trump European law. Well, it's basically a withdrawal from the EU in drag. Yeah, exactly. Um, she also said she wanted to finish the cooperation with Germany, some so long-standing axis between Paris and Berlin, She didn't want to have anything to do with that anymore. And then just to culminate everything, she said she wanted to have a new alignment between NATO and Russia once the war is over. Must start ringing alarm bells. Yes, and that gets us to the main point here. The main point is actually that she is Putin's candidate. That's what I called her Mm. in my newsroom column. And there are long um, histories actually going back between Le Pen and the Kremlin. I mean, she had a picture taken with um, Putin in 2017. She said it was time to recognize um, the annexation of Crimea. Um, She and her party, they took a 9 million euro loan from a bank with close links to the Kremlin in Russia. That's just incredible. It's a very, very strange source of party finance, even in Europe, to go to Russia. Yeah. Um, And by the way, by the time of the election, she hadn't even repaid the loan. So you can only imagine the sort of favours that would be called in had you won. Exactly. So um, this is a candidate in a party that was built up by the Kremlin. Um, Of course exploiting some real frustration on the ground in France, but the Kremlin had sponsored this candidate in that party. Mm. And I think this should actually make us pause and think that at a time of the Ukraine war, um, the biggest war since the Second World War in Europe, a Candidate in France with links to the aggressor should still manage to get forty two percent in an election. It's unbelievable. It's it's quite incredible
0: that um, I mean we've sat here in the podcast studio and discussed at length Putin's relationship with other um, other politicians from other countries, particularly with the Social Democrats in Germany. Um, here he is also involved with Marine Le Pen, who is you know a, a far right public figure. It doesn't seem as though Putin really cares which sort of political side he's dealing with. He seems to have tentacles everywhere. Is this just part of a, a larger destabilisation campaign?
1: It looks like it. And I think we have to talk about this a lot more. He supported Le Pen, as we just discussed, mm. but he was also engaged with Matteo Salvini in Italy. He was supporting also the AFD in Germany. Now, all of these are politicians and parties on the right. Yeah. Um, Donald Trump, of course, in the US uh, has a lot of documentation on the Russian interference in that election campaign. He was involved in the Brexit vote. And of course, on top of all of these almost clandestine um, developments, we have some very open interference of Russia in um, Western policy politics. Just look at um, RT News, the TV station, yes. broadcasting in several languages until recently trying to get a license to even broadcast in in, German, in Germany. I mean, so far they were only doing German broadcasts via YouTube, but they wanted to actually become a properly established TV station. Sputnik Radio, the mm. same. So it, it, there's a pattern. The pattern is to support anything and anyone, really, who helps to destabilize the political systems of the West. On any side of politics, doesn't really matter. And if you go back to Putin's history... Why would that surprise you? I mean, he was a KGB officer, of course, in East Germany at the time the war came down. And there are stories, actually, from that time that even then he was, of course, engaged in destabilization operations in West Germany, helping those who caused trouble in West Germany to fulfill their projects. Was this another sort of, right-wing campaign, or what was what's uh, the background to that? The background to that is actually that there's speculation that when Putin was a KGB officer in East Germany, he helped the Red Army faction, a left-wing terrorist organisation. Wow. Um, and uh, he was apparently linked to an assassination um, of the Deutsche Bank CEO at the time. That is speculation that um, has surfaced recently. Um, of course, there is no solid evidence, as there never really is, for these <laughs> Secret Service operations, But there is a long history of um, Russian interference. And actually, some of the stuff we know now, how the East um, supported um, developments in Western democracies. For example, there's a long history of um, so-called Eastern marches. So that's um, marches against nuclear armament, um, the peace movement basically in West Germany. And they started in the 1980s against um, US plans to um, station more cruise missiles in Western Europe. Well, as we know now, um, these peace marches were organized and supported by the Stasi and probably the KGB too. So what we're seeing now in Russia's uh, treatment of Western democracies kind of continues where East German and Eastern European secret services were quite active during the Cold War. Mm. And who was an officer in one of these secret services? Well, um, a certain Vladimir Putin. And it looks sometimes to me as if he's just taken the KGB rule book and continued where where he used to work, but as president. Incredible. So it doesn't matter whether it's a uh,
0: sort of far right, far left, or even environmental groups, Putin's meddling all over
1: Europe. Yes, and I mean, if you're talking about environmental groups, There is this state foundation in the state of Mecklenburg-Vorpommern. It's in northeast Germany. And it was supposedly a a, a state foundation for the environment and and climate change. Well, um, as we now know, thanks to some investigations of um, uh, German newspapers, this was set up precisely to circumvent US sanctions against Nord Stream 2. And it was an idea coming out of Gazprom and run past some social democrat politicians in northeast Germany. So again, it's um, a really sneaky kind of way of getting around US sanctions.
0: What should European leaders be doing to combat this? Just because Putin's attached himself to certain uh, certain causes or seeking to exploit them to destabilise Europe doesn't mean that they shouldn't be
1: debated anyway
0: Uh, But how do we reduce foreign influence?
1: That is exactly right. I mean, some of the um, developments that Putin supported, for example, in the Brexit vote, I mean, that was a legitimate question for the British public to discuss whether Mm. they wanted to be part of the European Union or not. And there were arguments on both sides. So it's not to say that there shouldn't be debates, but you should be very careful who is actually pushing these debates and for what reasons. So look at France again. I mean, there are many good reasons to be dissatisfied with Emmanuel Macron and the state of France. Mm. But whether Putin's candidate, um, Marine Le Pen, would have been the better alternative is an entirely different matter. And if you then ask yourself, well, why does she even have the standing she has? And and who does she owe it to? And um, well, then it becomes more interesting. So I think we have to be careful about who interferes with us and our democracies. And especially when the interference comes from autocracies like Russia but also I think in the context of New Zealand, probably China. So I think actually when this war is over and uh, when we go back to a a little bit more of a settled um, political international environment, it would be a good idea for Western democracies to come together and do the international equivalent of a Royal Commission and just look into foreign interference in Western democracies coming out of autocratic states. Right. I think it sounds like a good plan. I think it is necessary because we have to protect our democracies. We've been a bit naive, I think, in the West, thinking that um, democracy would always prevail and um, we have an open, robust um, debating culture and foreign interference wouldn't actually hurt us that much. I think it does. And you can see this in France at a time when Russia is leading the biggest aggression we've seen in Europe since the Second World War. To have a French candidate supported by Putin win 42%, this should actually ring all the alarm bells.
0: Yeah, it really should. Um, I think it's quite it must be quite telling that Le Pen has, has done as well as she has in this election, given all of that. Uh, so it looks like it might take some time then to reverse some of
1: these terrible trends. I, I think it will take some time and we really have to look quite deeply into how these foreign actors have actually manipulated our media, Mm. our discussions, our parties. Where have they tried to find influence? On what sides of the spectrum? And I think, um, as you said before, this is not a left versus right issue. Putin has engaged with the left. He has engaged with the right. He has basically engaged with anyone who he thought had any chance of disrupting ordinary politics in the West.
0: Yeah, he seems agnostic about the political vehicle, so long as it provides... He just wants to to create some damage. Yeah, exactly. All right, the international equivalent of a Royal Commission of Inquiry is probably the prescription then, once, once the war in Ukraine is resolved, hopefully peacefully. And hopefully soon. Dr Oliver Hartwich, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. To stay up to date with our latest research, opinions and events, sign up to our weekly insights newsletter at nzinitiative.org.nz.